<clears throat> Excuse me. All right, if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, we're going to be back in Luke chapter 12. Back in Luke chapter 12. That should sound familiar. That is where we were Sunday morning. And uh, tonight, we're just going to pick up and continue where we left off on Sunday morning. <clears throat> Luke chapter 12. Jesus came, and he came to bring the good news of salvation. At this point in his ministry, his popularity had risen to a, a very high level. If you look at Luke chapter 12, verse 1, you will see that many thousands of people <clears throat> have drawn to hear Jesus. There are so many people, the Bible says that they are trampling on one another. It is a, a very crowded area. Jesus is speaking, and the people are drawing near to him in the masses. And they're wanting to get closer and closer and closer and closer to Jesus. They're coming in, it's probably a crowd in the tens of thousands of people. And they see a man that is like no other man they had ever seen before. He can heal the sick. He can tell the blind to see. He can tell the deaf to hear. He can even tell the dead to get up and walk. And so his testimony is going before him, and the people are coming to listen to him. But in what might be the largest crowd Jesus ever spoke to, he gives them two warnings. The first warning you will see in verse 1. That's what we talked about uh, Sunday. <clears throat> verse 1, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He says, guys, if you want salvation, if you want to know what it is to truly be saved, you must rid your life of hypocrisy. You must rid your life of this fake works-based religion that the Pharisees are trying to teach you. The Pharisees are trying to teach you that as long as your outside looks okay, your inside is not important, but that is hypocrisy, and you need to get rid of that. But now look at verse 15. This will be the, the main point of our topic tonight. Verse 15, <clears throat> he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. So in Luke chapter 12, you really have two sins that Jesus points out. The first one is the sin of hypocrisy, and the second is the sin of greed. Now, you might be thinking, where did these two come from? Out of all the sins you could pick, and there are many, 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 right? Out of all the sins that, that someone could pick, out of all the sins that Jesus could pick, why does he choose hypocrisy and greed? I believe he does because there are two realms that exist. There is the material world and there is the immaterial world. There is the spiritual world, and there is the physical world. There is the natural world, and there is the supernatural world. And so when you look at hypocrisy, obviously it's dealing with the spiritual world, but when you look at greed, he's dealing with the physical world. If you get the wrong spiritual teaching, if you get the wrong spiritual influence in your life, your soul very well may be damned to hell. 
On the same token, if you get the wrong physical influence, if you get the wrong material influence, that could also damn one soul to hell. And honestly, folks, Satan will be happy either way, right? Satan would be happy either way. If you want to be fooled by the religious false teachings, that's fine with the enemy. Or if you want to buy into the the lies of the world, that is just fine for the enemy also. And I believe that there are many, many people throughout history and throughout our world today, and they are being fooled by these two areas, by religious deception or by natural deception. And so Jesus is speaking to this enormous crowd, and he speaks against hypocrisy, and he speaks against greed. Now, we realize that we are a very, we'll call it blessed, that's what we say a lot of times, isn't it? When someone has money or they have wealth, we say that someone is blessed. You've heard that. It's not always a blessing. Sometimes it can be a curse, but we are a very prosperous people. We are so prosperous that you could say that we have so many possessions that they actually possess us. We are consumers being consumed by our consumption. We have stockpiles of possessions, and there's many people, and they're going to spend the rest of their life trying to pay off this junk that they paid for, right? There's so much stuff. I'm not giving you business advice, but if I was going to begin a new business I would look into building these storage buildings. You ever notice those things? I mean, you drive around town, and there are these storage buildings everywhere that you look. And there are people charging 40 50 60 70 $80, and people pay up to $80 a month to store their junk. They don't want it. They never go check on it. It's stuff they don't need, and they will probably never use again for the rest of their life. But they pay $50, $60, $70, $80 every month just to store it. Now, some of you may have a storage building. I'm not getting on to you on that. I'm just saying we have so much stuff, don't we? I mean, we look at our house. We've got stuff everywhere. I mean, we got the attic full of junk. we got the closets full of junk. There is junk all around us. But the issue is not our possessions. The issue is the attitude concerning our possessions. What you have in this life is only this life. First Timothy chapter 6, Paul says this. He says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and the snare in many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith, and they have pierced themselves with many a pain. Now, one thing I want you to notice, I've heard many people misquote this, and they say that money is the root of all evil. You heard people say that? Many people, and they say, money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. If you've been blessed and you have a lot of money, praise the Lord for that. No problem. He says, the love of money is the root of all evil. And I'll just tell you, you can have a lot of money and you can totally love money, or you can have very little money and still be in love with it. 
The issue is not the money, it's not the stuff. The issue is our heart and it is our attitude toward the money that we have. Now let's walk through this a little bit together. Verse 13, and just remember the context. Jesus is teaching. You're with us on Sunday, you remember. Jesus is teaching. He says you've got to avoid this hypocrisy. The hypocrites will be exposed, number one. Number two, the hypocrites will be sent to hell. Remember, he says, don't fear the man who can feel the body. Fear God who can cast your soul into Gehenna, into hell for all of eternity. And then he says, how do you avoid this? The way you avoid this is to confess Christ as your Lord and Savior before men. And so Jesus is speaking about the most important things in life. Jesus is speaking about our soul. He's speaking about our relationship with God. He's speaking about the the highest things that one could speak on. And now look at verse 13. Verse 13, it says, And someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. He's talking about the blessed spiritual things. And someone says, Hey, whoa, wait a minute, Jesus. Let's wrap this up. I've got a question for you. My brother's over here. Tell him to divide the family inheritance with me. Now, we see a little bit of his heart. He does not care about the spiritual things of life. He does not care about heaven. He does not care about a relationship with Christ. He does not care about God. He does not care about forgiveness. He does not care about revelation. He says, hey, Jesus, let's turn this into a financial seminar because I've got a problem and I need help. This is a man who does not care about the spiritual world. He doesn't care about the things that he cannot see. And he does not care about the things that he cannot touch. He is totally focused on this earth and all that it has to offer. And so he says, Jesus, let's wrap it up and let me tell you where we should go next. What would have prompted this man to do this? Well, we notice he calls Jesus teacher, rabbi. It was a position of authority. And so rabbis would often be approached to answer uh, questions about the law and civil disputes. And so the man comes, and his brother is probably in the crowd with him, so many people. He probably points to his brother and says, Jesus, we've got a problem, and we need your help. Jesus, you speak with authority. What you say will answer our question. So would you give us some guidance in this situation? Now look at verse 14. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? He says, man, if you remember Sunday, he referred to the people as friend. It's a term of endearment. But here, he doesn't say friend. He says man. In other words, Man, what are, you, what are you talking about? Who made me a judge? Who made me the arbitrator over you? And then he said to them, beware. Be on guard against every form of greed. And you know what he didn't have to do? He didn't have to go over and point and say, don't be like this guy. Everybody saw it. 
When he gives that warning, he is, he is talking in spite of this man that interrupted the spiritual things to talk about the physical things. Let's take just a break for a moment from our text. How often do we do that? How often do we get so concerned with the physical things of life that we totally neglect the spiritual? How many times in our life, how many times in our day are we so focused on what all we've got to do and our busy schedule and our finances and our bank account and our job and our retirement and all these different things that are, are physical, they're not bad, but we're so focused on these things that we totally neglect the spiritual things. I, I just wonder today, and I'm talking to me just like you, what did we do for the kingdom of God today? I'm not asking what you accomplished. I'm not asking what you did at your job. I'm not asking what all you did to make money today. What did we do for the kingdom of God today? For most people and for most Christians, we go through life and we are totally consumed with the physical world and we never think about the spiritual world. And we can relate to this man in a big way. Ephesians 5.10, it says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. The sin is not to have more. The sin is to be discontent. The sin is not to have wealth. The sin is what you do with it. It's not about the amount. It is about <clears throat> the attitude. It's about when you love the stuff that you can have more than you love the God who created it. Romans 1.25 it says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. I know you've heard that verse before, but that's good, isn't it? It's relevant. We go through, and in the church we do this also. We begin to, to be so enamored by the things God has given us. We can get to the point that we worship a building and we don't worship God. We can get to the point that we worship a, a talent, maybe a musical talent or a teaching talent or an ability, and no longer is it about God. We can get to the point that we go home and, and we're so thankful that God gave us a nice home and a good family and a good spouse and good children that we worship our family and we worship our things and we forget to worship God. And all of those things are sinful. <clears throat> Now back to, back to verse 15 in your text. He says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. If you've got a pen, that is a good verse right there. What does the world tell us? The world tells us that who you are and your happiness in life, it comes down to what you have in life. If you have a nice home, if you have a nice car, if you have a good job, you will be happy. You will be satisfied. But the Word of God here says this, For your life does not consist of the abundance of one's possessions. And my friends, we see that all around us, don't we? Who are the people in our society that have an abundance of possessions? I'm thinking of celebrities, right? I'm thinking of star athletes. I'm thinking of music stars and talent. Have you looked through the supermarket and looked at the magazines lately? You know what you find? 
You find all these people who have so much money and they have so much wealth and they have anything you could ever imagine. And there's another suicide or there's another drug addiction, another drug overdose, another marriage that split, another unfaithful relationship. There's all these problems and it just shows that the abundance that you have does not satisfy you. It is never enough. You're never going to get that real life. You're never going to find the answers to this life and the stuff of the world. Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it, what? Abundantly. You'll find the purpose for your life. You'll find the true joy that does not come from your wallet, but it comes from Jesus. And then he tells a parable. Follow along in your, your Bible. I know you've got it open. He tells a parable. It says, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. There's a man, he's got this, this land, and the land produced good. The land produced a great crop. In verse 17, and so he says, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? The crops were so large, they were so huge. He's bringing in the crops, and he says, I've got a problem. I don't have anywhere to store my crops because there is so many of them. What's he going to do? Well, he could go out and he could build more storage buildings, right? He could build more barns. But if he builds more barns, he takes away from his land, and his land is very productive. And so he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to build more barns, and so he's got a problem in his life. And so he comes up with a solution. He says, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns, and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. He's got a plan, doesn't he? Did you notice something? If you're looking in your text, notice all the times he references himself. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I will tear down my barns, and I will build larger ones, and then I will store all of my grain and all of my goods. It's all about me, 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 me. It's all about I, 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 I. And we see the heart of a materialist. There's got to be other people that could, could benefit from this. There's got to be workers in the field that are bringing it in. Could he not share with the workers? There's got to be a village with some poor orphans or some widows. Could he not be a blessing? There's got to be a church or a synagogue or something. Could he not think of someone besides himself? But no, what he does is he thinks about his life. And so he says, I'm going to tear down my barn. I'm going to build a larger barn, and then I can restrict supply. I don't want to flood the market with my crops. Then the price goes down. I want to restrict supply, and I want to store it up. And did you notice something else? He said not just to store my grain, but what else? My goods. This is the only time in the Bible that I see a storage building. I've got so many goods, I've got so much junk, I've got so much stuff that I'm just going to store it all in this huge, tall barn. And then he says in verse 19, and I will say to my soul, he doesn't say to his wife, he doesn't say to his children, he doesn't say to his friends, it's all about himself. 
And so he says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He says, life is good. We've got it all planned out. Everything's good. So he talks to himself, and he says, everything's good in life. Just eat, drink, and live life to the fullest. What he's got here, my friends, is the American dream. Isn't it? I mean, it really is. Let, let, let's do what we've got to do. Let's work. Let's put money in the bank. And then let's just eat, drink, be merry, have a good time, and enjoy life. The problem is, he didn't think about a few things. He didn't think about God. He didn't think about others. And he did not think about his own mortality. Look at verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. Folks, it's serious when God calls you a fool. God says, you fool. This very night your soul is required of you, and now who will own all that you have prepared? He said, you're going to die this very night, and then who's going to get all that you've got? This very night your soul is required of you. Reminds me of, of James James says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city and spend a year there. We will engage in business. We'll make a profit. You don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears a little while and then vanishes away like steam off of coffee. You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and we'll do this or we'll do that. If the Lord wills. That's what ought to be out of my life and your life. That's we make plans. There's no problem with plans. There's no problem with deciding what we're going to do next week, next month, next year. But we must realize that God is in control. And so as we make decisions, we say, God, is this what you want out of my life? God, is this the direction you want me to go? Is this the path that you want me to take? Is this what you want me to do with my resources? Now look at verse 21, and it's the climax. He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Now, what is the word he used a moment ago? He called him a fool, right? Now, here's what he's saying. For me and for you, if we go through this life and we grab everything the world has to offer, we get more and we get more and we get more, and the world looks at us and we are rich in the world, but we are poor spiritually, then we're fools. We're foolish if we do that. Matthew says, do not, Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That, that's the point, where your heart is. Listen, it, this whole, I, I really do not enjoy building campaigns. Maybe you don't either. I, I don't like them. I don't want people to walk in this place and think, man, they just want my money. It's not about our money. I don't care who's got money, who doesn't have money. It is about our heart. It's about do we love the money, do we love our stuff, do we love what the world has to offer, or do we love 
eternal things, things of value, things that will last, things that will matter. And, and there's too many of us that are living so much for the physical that we are neglecting all things spiritual. This, this message is not about money, it's not about wealth, it's not about giving. It's about a heart of greed. It's about a life that, that does not care about the things of God. It's about a life that never practices evangelism. About a life that you never tell anybody about Jesus because you're so focused on the physical life. It's about a, a life that you never serve anybody else. You never do something for someone else because you don't have the time to do it. It's about a life that is all about me, 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 and never anybody else. It's about a life that never has time for the kingdom of God because I'm too focused on my kingdom. And Jesus says, if you do that, you are a fool. If you do that, you have wasted your life. And so Luke 12, we ought to know Luke 12 pretty good by now. There's two dangers. One's a spiritual side. If you live a life of hypocrisy and it's not real on the inside, he says the Lord will, will cast your soul into hell. And then he gives another warning. He says, beware of all greed. If you're so focused on the physical and not on the spiritual, there's dire consequences to that also. And so we've got to be careful spiritually and we must be careful physically. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you, God, for these who have come tonight on a uh, stormy, cool Wednesday. Lord, I pray that you've challenged us. I pray that I know 